Okay, welcome to episode 88 of the United Pubcast and one we have been waiting for for what seems like months. Um, English Premier League is finally back. Excited, Larry? Have you kept your pants on? Um, I haven't, but I think that's just, you know, for other reasons. But no, in all seriousness, Tom, how good is it? How good is it? We've been waiting for this. We've been hanging for this. Uh, you know, just you're, you're looking for something to lift your spirits and it's here. The football is coming back. Do you see any sort of, you sort of holding your breath a little bit with the way it's been worded as a real sort of the provisional dates, etc.? I'm not concerned. Um, I say this with... I'm sorry if this comes across as a little bit insensitive, but the day that um, that they announced the Premier League was returning, uh, it was confirmed that England, as in population per capita, has the highest highest death toll in the world. So, look, I think there's just a realisation, not just from the UK, but all around the world, that this is just our new way of living and we have to crack on, and football's no different. Uh, so, no, I think the game will go on. No, 100%, and it's something we'll cover later on in the podcast. And So on today's podcast, we'll obviously discuss Agalo's situation and the latest developments there. There's a little bit on Alexis Sanchez and his stay into Milan, the circus surrounding Saul Miguez and his drama on social media last night, um, and a few other little bits and pieces of transfers, and then we'll obviously finish the podcast on sort of that announcement and just the Premier League in general. We'll have a look at sort of upcoming fixtures and... We'll have to have a look at the table and what it actually looks like and remember where we are on the ladder. Um, I think it's fifth, fifth or sixth, I think. We'll have to, we'll get to that anyway. Yeah. But we'll first... Mate, uh, we're two weeks away. It's not far. Yeah, no, the days will go... I'm treating it as like two international breaks or something, or like a long international break, um, which we can definitely get through if we've done the last couple of months without it. But we will go on and start with a galo. Now, by the time you're listening to this, something might be confirmed. Hopefully it is, and it is all but confirmed. Sky Sports have said that a galo's agent has come out and said that he um, will be extending his stay at United. I'm not sure what the details of that is. It sounds like probably until January. Not He's sort of not signing on a permanent basis. They've just been able to agree an extension to his loan with his parent club in China. First of all, I think we're both happy with it, so we'll skip that little bit and we'll just go, do you think this was United's sort of plan or do you think it's sort of just they've been forced into it a little bit due to what we mentioned on last week's podcast and China's situation where... It's really no point in Agalo going back. So do you think United have sort of been just forced into this or is it what we wanted? Yeah, 100%. I think it's what United wanted and I think it's what we as fans wanted. Perhaps not just the structure of it as obviously how we got there is different. Um, there's no doubt about it. Like the circumstances which surround Agalo and the world, in fact, are how this deal came to be. But I take this as a very good sign. Um, I take this as, you know, I've seen people say, oh, this means we're not going to get a striker and complaining. We don't need the ready-made striker, in my opinion. And not just that, I think Agalo is effective. We have to remember, he was coming off a, was it two or three months he hadn't played for? So he was easing his way back in a game time. It wasn't that he's, he's garbage, he's capable. Um, and I expect he'd be rotated more. What this will allow is um, Agalo to... Uh, I think to put pressure on Martial is probably a stretch too far, but if Martial does have a dip, you know, he can definitely come in. Um, it also gives us, and we've said this before, an attacking option, but it also is a chance for Agalo. He knows now that he will be given time. Genuinely, he's got six months um, to put in some real solid performances, and if he can do that, perhaps we don't need another striker. Between him and Martial, if both continue to be on form, 
he could make this deal permanent. On the on that you just mentioned, sort of the pursuit of a new striker, and there's sort of names being thrown about. Obviously, Timo Werner and Dembele from Lyon have been the sort of two hotly linked players as a potential striker. Do you think this will put put to bed those rumours of a striker and focus will shift on to potentially sort of Jaden Sancho and more midfield options rather than an out and out striker? Let me answer your question with a question. Um, have you seen much of Timo Werner play? He kills me on FIFA. He's the most overpowered player on FIFA there is. But <laughs> look, look, I think he's... I wouldn't compare him to Marshall or Rashford, but, but he plays in that central position, but I wouldn't call him a central striker. I think he's just one of those players. He's so versatile, and it's one of those ones where I think if you put him into a United team, he's versatile, so he can play across those three positions. He can allow Martial to drift wide and he can come in and Martial can come inside and then Timo Werner can drift out wide, etc. So it looks good on paper there. But then you always have that situation where you think, well, you don't want everyone too similar. You do want sort of an out-and-out focal point, which is what Agalo brings. Agalo is only going to be the centre-forward. So I don't know which way I fall on it. Personally, I think Timo Werner, if he is going to move, he'll probably be to Liverpool. But um, I haven't seen too much of him, but... <clears throat> Sorry, all the YouTube videos and sort of the limited footage I have seen of him, he does look a very good player. Um, in terms of his suitability to United, I'm not sure which side of the fence I sit on. He's outstanding, but the point you've made is what I was trying to bait you in. Um, he is in the same mould of Rashford and Martial. Very quick, very good on the ball, uh, very two-footed, um, better in the air than both of those players. Um, he's basically an upgrade on both of those as it stands at the moment. That's not to say Martial or Rashford can't improve and get on par, but as it stands, he's a better version. So if we're talking about needing that striker who's that little bit different or offers something different, I don't think Werner is that. And for that reason, I, I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't sign him. Of course I would. But I, I don't think that's what Oli wants. He, he wants a more quote-unquote traditional number nine. Yeah, I, I think especially... Obviously, um, Haaland from Dortmund was Solskjaer's number one target, and he is a centre forward. Agallo, okay, the circumstances weren't ideal the way the deal came about late in January, but he's a centre forward. It, Werner isn't that type of player you think that Solskjaer is in the market for, but again, you don't know who is in charge of transfers. You never know. Ed Woodward might still have his sort of hand in the pot, etc. So, not quite sure, but yeah, I think if he's going to move to an English Premier League club, it would be to Liverpool. But just on that, Agreed. in terms of, we both think that Igalo will now fill that gap for over the next six or seven months. Do you think that we can spin that as a positive and now look at that, okay, if we're going to have to spend big money now, we have the funds to do it elsewhere? Yeah, and with this deal, I think that coincides with going hard for Sancho. I think that's the deal United want and need to get done. Um, and of course, he, he has to score a hat trick um, in the middle of a pandemic when you know everyone's talking about a transfer market's going to be different and the value of players is going to go down. And then Sancho comes out with a hat trick. Um, United need to get this deal done. If if I'm if I'm Ed Woodward, I'm negotiating this deal um, from now. Um, I'm looking at United's finances, I'm trying to forecast and I'm doing all I can to start negotiating and lock in a number because if he keeps putting in performances like that, he might he might put his price so high that no one can afford him. Well, Sandro has been a weird one since football or since the Bundesliga has come back. Um, he's sort of been in and off the bench sort of thing. He hasn't really stood out. Um, and again, you do have to take into consideration the unique circumstances and 
coming back to fitness and the type of games, etc. But um, this is his first time where he has stood out because I remember those first couple of games he was on the bench and when he came on there was nothing sort of spectacular in his performances. But um, he's obviously put that to bed um, very quickly with a hat-trick. So um, I still think my hunch is I don't think we'll get this deal done because I think so much still depends, which we're just assuming we're going to be in the Champions League next year. There's still a very good chance we won't be. And I think that could very well change the whole Jaden Santo situation. I don't know. I think I would normally agree, but because of the age of the player, I don't think it'll be as much of a factor. Um, how old is Sancho? He's 20s. Definitely no older than that. So when you consider that, that age, you consider the wages that United will offer, will definitely top any other wages. Um, and look, the word on the street with Sancho is he just wants top dollar. So if that's the case, I think... Uh, United will definitely offer him the most wages because that's the way United work. And if it's one season out of the Champions League, you know, you can sell him the dream. You can say to him, we're going to build this club around you. Um, You'll be starting most games, the important games. um, And, you know, we'll be in the Champions League for a long period of time. You know, you're also marketing the fact that he'd be playing with Marcus Rashford, uh, Jesse Lingard, uh, you know, Luke Shaw, people who, Harry Maguire, guys he plays with in the England setup. So I don't think Champions League is a be-all and must-all, especially just considering his age. Yeah, well, going from Agallo's loan situation to another loan um, situation in Italy and United is obviously the forgotten man and Alexis Sanchez. I don't know where this story came from, but on Sky Sports and breaking a sort of what you sort of visualise as reliable news that Inter Milan want to extend his loan. I don't know which way to look at it, whether they want to keep him or it's just the situation where they'll still need bodies for the remainder of the season. I'm not quite sure their situation at the moment, but it's a weird one, and just for, just first of all, your opinion on here in the Inter want to keep him. So I actually haven't kept up with this story. Is this just for the remainder of the Serie A or beyond, or into next season? I think the, the one I read was a year-long loan, like extended by a year. Um, but again, I don't know what that means in terms of years slash seasons, and um, he was supposed to obviously be due back at United now, um, I assume. But now they're looking to maybe extend it to this time next year, which would cover this season and potentially most of next season. In any case, I think Sanchez's time at United is over. Whether that's staying at Inter Milan or going elsewhere, I think he's done. So with with that into account, if Inter Milan are happy to take him, and I imagine they'll just uh, structure the deal the same way it is. Um, and, you, you know, we've seen this in, uh, you know, if I think of the most recent example, um, James Rodriguez from Real Madrid. He, he he went on loan for a period of two or three seasons there, um, just not being part of uh, Real Madrid's squad, just constantly on loan, knowing that, you know, other clubs couldn't afford him. I think United are happy to do the same with Alexis Sanchez. Um, after this season, he'll have... So, sorry, after next season, there'll be one year left on his deal. So it's not a bad tactic. Um, if he wants to stay at Inter, no worries. Is there a situation where you look at potentially not getting Jaden Sancho? And in this market, you never know, you might not be able to get any sort of big money signing um, across the line. Is there a situation where you just look at our squad, you look at our numbers, you look at the sort of the sort of pile-up of fixtures where you just bring him back and just think, oh, hopefully he can do something? Or do you just say, sort of wash your hands and don't want anything to do with him? Well, wash your hands because it will keep your hands clean, which means, you know, you're carrying less germs around amid the pandemic. But um, in all seriousness, no, I don't keep Sanchez. I think he suits Serie A because it's a slower style of play. Uh, he, he just doesn't have that intensity anymore 
to suit the Premier League. So no, in no case, if I'm United, you don't keep him. Just his wages alone upsets the dressing room. Um, that's where you know everything with Pogba started to unfoil with Mourinho. It all start, stems from this with the wages. So no, I think it's just you got to cut your losses on this one. Yeah, no, there's always a little bit of me when I see him. I just think, what could be like? Maybe if he comes back and he scores on his first game back, you never know. But yeah, um, he um, does look a shadow of the former player. But we'll move on. He's in his thirties now, so I think that's the thing. If he was twenty-eight, yeah, but you know, wrong side of wrong side of his age for in terms of football career, anyway. And when you see, he used to be such a powerful and explosive player, and when he sort of put on that red shirt at United, he just. You visibly saw him just be slow and knocked off the ball, something you sort of didn't associate with him during his Arsenal and Barcelona days. But we'll move on to a player who I think everyone would like. I'm not sure how sort of reliable this news is. It's not really even news. He's put the news out himself. Obviously, if you've been living under a rock, you wouldn't know, but Saul Niguez put a tweet out yesterday saying it was almost like a retro video game image saying, um, I'll announce a new club in three days. First of all, I, I I call bullshit. I think it's nothing. I think it must be a P, PR stunt. I'm not sure what he meant, what the PR stunt could possibly be regarding the new club. Um, who knows, he might be joining our pro, club, pro clubs on FIFA because we need all the help we can get. But <laughs> what, what do you make of it? Do you think there's... Regardless of him as a football, I think we'll both take him. I'm, I'm not sure what a transfer fee would him. I'm assuming probably 80 to 100 million it would cost. But just in terms of the situation surrounding him and this tweet... Do you read anything into it? Is it good? Is it bad? I'm on the fence with this one. I much like you. The the cynic in me is just like, nah. He's just I know he's joining e clubs or something like that. Um, but who knows? He, maybe he's just trying to. Maybe he's gotten a PR guy and he's trying to make himself more marketable. Unless you're a full, unless you're a full football follower. You wouldn't know who Saul Niguez really is. Yeah. Um, so in that case, perhaps he's just marketing himself and perhaps he is making a big move. Um, I'd love for it to be United. I th- I've made no qualms around how good I think this player is. He would be exactly what our midfield needs. He is a better version of Ando Herrera in every respect. Highly intense, um, very intelligent on the ball, better passing range than Herrera. Uh, can sit deep, can advance himself. He's honestly a, a complete box-to-box midfielder. He would complement Pogba and Fernandez really well. Look, if it, if he's coming to United, I'll be the first to say this is an awesome deal to get done. But I don't know, Tom. I'm I'm not feeling it at the moment. What What do you think of him as a player? Let's say he is moving club or looking for a new club, etc. What do you think of a player who's currently under contract at a club? So say it's look, look. Let's use the obvious one in the room, Paul Pogba, and he puts that tweet out. Could you imagine the reaction from our fans? What do you think of him sort of as a player doing that when he's currently contracted to Atletico Madrid in terms of is that the type of... Look, we don't know him as a person. We only go on by this tweet. But is that the type of person you'd want at United? I'm not really bothered, if I'm being honest. Like, whether this is right or wrong, you know, Zlatan has... Uh, Ibrahimovic has done this sort of thing for a lot of his career. Um, and the other thing is, rightly or wrongly, when you're at the biggest clubs in the world, you don't behave that way. Um, he's not at uh, Manchester United. He's not at Real Madrid. He's not at Liverpool. He's not at Barcelona. I think he's at, if he's at these clubs, he doesn't do this. Um, so we'll see. I, at the end of the day, we're all speculating. If he comes out and he's just joins um, E-clubs or he's joining some pro clubs team on FIFA, we're all you know going to look stupid. But if he comes out and joins a football team, then you know then we can judge him a little bit further. 
and uh, definitely one we'll be discussing later on the week in the next um, next podcast. But just on Twitter, uh, just before we went on air, uh, one of our follow- followers, Boltzano Me, so follow him on Twitter, he um, said, would be cool to talk about the potential uh, 50 million move for Kai Havertz from Bayer Leverkusen. Again, this is one that's come up. I think it sort of looks a little bit lazy in terms of the journalism. They're just sort of throwing it out there as United, a lead in the race. I think him and Solnig is very similar players. I think Havertz is p- perfectly suited to the Premier League. He's a fantastic sort of box-to-box midfielder. He's quite attacking, but he's powerful, he's strong, he's got great technique. I just don't... I th- every time I look at a player, a midfielder like that, who has sort of that box-to-box and sort of creativity, sort of that crea- creative edge to his game... I just look at Bruno Fernandes' arrival and think, well, we've already signed that player. We're not going to go sign another one. Yeah, I agree. I think he's in that Fernandes mould for sure. Um, ah, I don't know. There's something about... <coughs> pardon, excuse me. Something about Lovett's I don't really like. I just... I don't know if he'd suit the Premier League. I, doesn't seem the most physical player in the world. Um, well, I th- I'm not I sure look, if we signed him. Look, yeah, he's, he looks kind of slight, but I think he uses his weight quite well. Yeah. I watched a few games and... Um, I think he is quite physical. I think he'd suit it quite well. However, I've seen great players who I think would sort of come and score. Look at Falcao, which we mentioned last week. He should have come on and scored 30 goals. It didn't quite work. So I mean, you never do know. But again, I do think the rumour is quite sort of loose at the moment. I don't see too much in it. But, but Yeah, it's lazy. Yeah, we'll move on to... Uh, we don't really need to discuss the move. Icardi has made his move to PSG permanent. Um, we don't really need to discuss that. Okay, they've got a striker. Fantastic. I think the talking point is him signing a the transfer fee is fifty million pound. I'm just thinking if you cast your mind back a year ago, if Icardi's gone to PSG and that that's been made permanent, a striker of his quality, I'm not saying a hundred million, but I think he's probably seventy or eighty million minimum. And now he's signed for fifty million. Now I don't know the situation of when he arrived on loan to PSG, what the sort of clause was in the following season in terms of an obligation to buy or anything. But fifty million seems awfully cheap, and just your opinion—is that a sign of the, what the market is going to be like, or do you think they've just done, done a really good deal? I think it's a sign of the market. Um, this is a club that has endless funds, so yeah, I, th- I think this is definitely what we're going to see. Uh, deals that would have normally been eighty million will go for fifty million, fifty million will go for thirty million, etc. Uh, look, it's inevitable. I think every club is going to be impacted by this. It's just a matter of how much by. We've seen United with their recent um, Q3 results. We, we've had an impact, and that was just at the end of March. When you consider we went into lockdown, I think it was around mid-March um, in the UK. So that it had a huge impact. So, and, But we're still considered one of the stronger clubs. So it would be very interesting to see, but... Uh, yeah, I think this is a sign of the market. It's a good deal for PSG, and that's why I'm saying if United are intelligent, if we're on the front foot, if uh, Edward Wood and Co are really proactive, it's an opportunity for us to really close the gap on our competitors. Just finishing on the transfer market, I haven't read too much about it, but have you heard anything, or do you know the transfer window open now? In terms of okay, this deal's been done. The Agalo situation has been resolved now. In terms of, do you think United can go out now in the midst of still finishing this season and get deals done? Do you think it's a good time to do it now or do you think should wait till the end of the season and see what the market does? You have to start negotiating now because as it stands, we don't even know when the transfer window is going to open. So you would imagine that during this closed down lockdown period, 
that the clubs have in fact been negotiating for players, and if they haven't, then what are they doing? Oh, no, no, um, definitely they'll be negotiating a hundred percent. I'm sure that was been doing throughout the lockdown. I'm saying in terms of getting deals done, we've seen PSG able to get this deal done. Do you think? Oh, look, I say this is no financial expert at all. Do you think go out and spend the money now and get deals done, or do you think you do have to be careful and you do have to wait to see what the market does? Uh, yeah, oh, that's a hard one. I think it just depends on the sort of player you're going for. Um, for example, if you're taking someone like uh, the, the young fullback we spoke about from Monaco, if you're signing someone like him, I don't think getting that deal done now or later really makes a huge difference. Um, but if you're signing someone like Sancho, see, that's the hard one because that deal could be... This could be eighty million pounds, but who knows? It could be fifty million pounds. But if you you got to think, if your competitors are going to be in the market for that sort of player, you're going to be interested to get that deal done. It'll come down to which players are going to be popular or which players will you have competition for. I think that's where you'll see United and other clubs will need to be really proactive. So with someone like Sancho, I'd actually want United to be on the front foot in getting this deal done. Um, and a lot with the small, like, you know, the players where you're saying well, you want to fill up the squad, maybe not to start, you'd like to see those deals get done because those players would go on the cheap regardless. Yeah, no, I agree. And usually the transfer news and transfer rumours is the most exciting topic for everyone to listen to. However, probably not for this podcast. We've actually got football to look forward to now. Obviously, Project Restart announced that June 17th is the provisional date, but all signs lead to it looks like it will go ahead and... I think Arsenal's catch-up game with City is going to be the first game. I think potentially a Friday night or Sunday, I forget. But whoever was going to be playing was always going to be sort of top of everyone's list. But Arsenal City is obviously a very big game and everyone is welcome at my place for Sunday morning to for Arsenal fan and Arsenal fan TV um, when they lose their first game back 5-0. I'm sure that'll be very enjoyable. But just your first reaction in terms of just your enjoyment of seeing um, the Premier League back. It's fantastic. Like uh, me personally, and we we, I mean, here at, on this podcast, we're very conscious of transfer. Uh, what's the right word? Bullshit. <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're about the football. We enjoy analyzing games, talking about games, watching players improve, and seeing how they went, where things can be improved and be diff- done differently. I don't care for transfers, Tom. Like, yeah, it's a nice part of the off season to see how the club's going to improve, but. It's the football that we care about at the end of the day. That's our release from everyday life. The sense of freedom that you get when in the midst of a working week. This is what we live for. Um, so I think it's fantastic. I think it's the right thing to do. I know that there's deaths going on, but deaths will continue in life, whether that's through a virus, whether that's through cancer, whether that's through general illness. Life will go on. There will be deaths. There will be people who live. So we just got to crack on, and I think it's fantastic. Well, I'm just looking at the league table here, and it's it's probably been two or three months since I've actually looked at it. We are in fifth. Um, we've played 29 games. Um, Arsenal have played 28. Same with Sheffield United. So Sheffield United, they win their game in hand. They'll go above us on to 46 points. So that'll leave us in sixth. So we're in fifth or sixth place, which will be where we're three points behind Chelsea in fourth. Just your, do you remember where we were? Do you remember that sort of... Because we were in quite good form before football stopped. And it looked... While we were outside the top four, I think a lot of people did have us as favourites to finish in the top four. Yeah, it's fresh in my mind. Because um, I remember religiously following the table after every game. Um, look, I think United are still on par to finish top four. Um, I think we're one of the fittest sides in the league. P- 
pleasingly, no players come back overweight, so that's always good. Um, you're worried about Luke Shaw when when that came out, but no, nah, look, I think United will be all guns blazing. I think they're they're a club that obviously Solskjaer has this big emphasis on running more than any other um, team, and I think that sets puts us in good stead. The other thing to excite us is we've got a fit Paul Pogba ready to go. We've got Marcus Rashford who's fit. It's exciting, Tom. And then you throw into that you got a Galo as a backup. Things suddenly we look a lot stronger going into this top four race. Just want your opinion there, but, but actually before you mentioned that you mentioned players coming back overweight. Did you see the photo of Kevin De Bruyne? Yeah, I think he's um, enjoyed himself maybe a bit too many Belgian waffles. Could you imagine if that was Paul Pogba and the treatment Squire Sports would have given him and his lack of professionalism? Yeah, they would have called him Pork Pogba or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I, look, I think I think he'll be fit by the time football gets going. Kevin De Bruyne is an ultimate professional, and look, someone who I think is a fantastic footballer. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah, let's hope he sorts himself out. It's not against him. It's just uh, a little bit funny just to poke a bit of fun at someone who's obviously a lot better at the game than we are. But one thing which I haven't actually discussed with you, I just want your opinion. I was talking with a mate the other day. In terms of, okay, everything is going to be behind closed doors. I think a big chunk of next season will be behind, be behind closed doors as well. Just, do you think that will favour United? The reason I say that is whoever United play against is, is the opposition's biggest game of the season. If we play Liverpool, it's Liverpool's biggest game of the season. If we play Sheffield United, it's Sheffield United's biggest game of the season. Every single club, I'll even say Arsenal, I know they have the rivalry with Tottenham, but I still think it's um, I still think they're our biggest game. Or Sorry, we're their biggest game. And I think the fans play such a big part, not so much our games at Old Trafford, but when we go away from home, you do have to contend with that sort of that twelfth man, the twelfth man element. United won't have to deal with that now, whether we play at their ground or neutral venues, etc. And it will just be about the football and the eleven players on the pitch. Do you think a club like United, who are so often, I wouldn't say under the pump from fans, but have that extra almost player to play against, will benefit from play? Will, will be the team that benefit the most from playing behind closed doors? For the most part, yes. I think the concern with United and something I'm still not convinced of is our ability to fight back when we go down. Um, I've, we've seen some promising glimpses. Um, the Sheffield United game comes to mind, but um, which we ultimately drew after coming back. But nonetheless, I think that, that's, my, that's my question mark. I think United are getting better in that aspect. It's just when you go down, you know, the crowd is the thing that lifts you, the quote-unquote 12th man. Um, Having said that, I think United are playing really good football, and if they can continue where they left off, yeah, you could be right. I think it takes away that it takes away the opposition's leg up to say, "Oh, you know, it's United. The crowd, our crowd, our fan base is ready for this one." That's being taken out of the equation now. So, yeah, it's a good point, Tom. Um, I guess we'll see how the season ends, but. Our our um our draw is quite favourable. In fact, when you look beyond Tottenham, I don't think we we don't verse another side in the top six until Leicester on the last day. So, very promising draw. And if United are on form, we should be finishing in that top four. Does that what I say this a little bit tongue in cheek? But is that worry given the way we performed under Solskjaer? Don't you think we would have been better off having sort of tougher games on paper rather than these so called easier games? No, I think we're fine now. I think the Fernandez signing particularly has really helped. Um, he's got that creative nous that we've lacked. And on paper, it looks appealing, but I'm really, really interested to see how Pogba and Fernandez line up and play together. 
Uh, I think it'll, it'll actually allow Pogba to be the Pogba we signs, um, the Pogba we hoped he would be, because that's another thing to consider in all of this, and I don't want to you know dwell on Pogba too much, but the Real Madrid deal appears dead in the water. It looks like it's down to Juventus, and even those reports, they're linking Rabiot and the swap deal, and I just don't think that that's a deal that will happen. Pogba could ultimately stay, because we're finally put some creative nous around him that it takes pressure off him. If Pogba's having an off game, you got Fernandez, and then if Fernandez is having an off game, you got Pogba. God forbid both of them decide to turn it up. Um, we could be absolutely destroying teams. The prospect is interesting, and I'm really, really keen to see how Solskjaer lines up. Does he play Pogba deeper? Does he play Fernandez deeper? Because someone's gonna have to give in that, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, no, very and agree fully. Uh, again, we've discussed Pogba to death on this podcast, and it seems each week we sort of flip flop as to whether to sell him or keep him. I think both of us at heart do want to keep him and do want to see him obviously do very well for United because if, he, if that happens, we're going to win trophies because he's, he'll, if he performs well, he's arguably the best midfielder in the game. So fingers crossed, especially when you add Bruno Fernandes to that. But I don't think they've obviously confirmed those first couple of fixtures and I think maybe the first round, but United actually aren't in the first round of fixtures. I, I don't think there's been any official confirmation, but it still sounds like maybe Tottenham is our first game. Have you heard anything different? Well, from what I've read, that looks like the game they'll put on. I think they'll want to. You know, this is going to be the ratings grabber. Um, they'll want to put on a big game. And as I said, it's United's last game against a top six side. I mean, I know Leicester, but, you know, with all due respect, I don't think they have the appeal of the traditional big six. So, uh, yeah, you, you'd think the broadcasters want to get that one down. Mourinho versus Solskjaer, like, it, it's written in the stars, isn't it? You, you want to get that game going first round back. Well, we are definitely counting the days. Only 16, 17 days to go. Um, it can't wait. It, when did football finish? Sometime in March, wasn't it? Or early March? I, I kind of forget now. But um, definitely counting the days until it returns. And I don't care who it is first. Even if it was Southampton against Bournemouth, I'd be definitely watching it. But it's, it, definitely that it's Arsenal v City is obviously a game that, while there'll be no fans there, it does get uh, will get every fan excited around the world. So... Definitely tuning in to Arsenal Fan TV. Speaking of um, speaking of fans, uh, the latest, and I've seen this in a few places, and we've seen it with the NRL in Australia over the weekend, They um, broadcasters putting in fake fan sounds or fake sa- uh, fan sound effects. Um, it looks like the broadcasters are trying to get um, the fan sound effects from FIFA, uh, like the video game. Uh, to enter in um, during football matches. So, you know, that could work. It really could work. Like, you got the chance and everything in there. So, that'll be interesting. It's interesting. I've seen everyone talk about it. I, the games I've tuned into actually haven't had it. So, it'll be interesting. The, the way I think it'll work, I, I'm not a fan of it. But everyone who has heard it seemed to be quite um, praiseworthy of it. So Mate, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Honestly, like, un- unless you see the crowd, that's when you feel like, oh, okay, this is a little bit weird. But... Like, you know, I've been watching uh, some Bundesliga. I've been watching the NRL. I think it's been fantastic. Like, when you're watching it, it almost takes away from, like, you forget that there's no crowd. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think it's a fantastic initiative. No, well, something definitely to discuss over the next week or two. Just brings an end to episode 88 as we have very very quickly closing in on 100 episodes. Um, we'll definitely, football will definitely be back before we reach 100, but we'll definitely try and find something special to do for that episode. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast. Um, thank you all for your constant feedback and support on all our social medias, Insta, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Um, make sure you follow on whatever podcast app you listen to, so SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. Um, just click the follow button so whenever we have a new podcast, it pops up on your phone for you. And we'll be back on Thursday Australian time for the next podcast, Larry. Can't wait, mate. Bring it on. That means we'll be three more days closer to football. Yep, quick maths. Good stuff. So chat to everyone uh, later this week. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.